0: <laughs>
1: Welcome among Dear List. I'm joined today by someone I missed since the beginning of the lockdown and the whole COVID situation. The last time I saw you was at Dragon Meat, which was an event full of Hugs and physical contacts, which were, uh, I believe, uh, what's the word? Unallowed. Consensual. Vand, I was looking for the opposite. Can you briefly introduce yourself?
2: Hi, my name is Lloyd. I'm just a dude that works for Modifius and does a bit of writing on the side.
1: Modifius and Chaosium?
2: Well, I don't officially work for Chaosium. I am writing for Chaosium. That's very different
1: thing. Oh, I see. Okay. You're a sellsword of the word. A word. You see, you make it sound like I'm a soldier of fortune when you say sellsword. I prefer
2: to be freelancer
1: because then it sounds legal. I've been a freelancer back in the days as an architect. I hated it. <laughs> you see, your freelancing work
2: actually pays you well. Mine just puts me in books and makes me feel better.
1: <laughs> I was paid. I started, it was 8 euros per hour. Uh, Never
2: mind. <laughs> Apparently being a freelancer architect is a terrible idea. Hi, um this is Lloyd from the Relistus Podcast. Just gonna say don't be a freelance architect. Don't don't do it, it's not worth it. Mm. Get out. Go
1: in tabletop game design. It's much better paid Okay,
2: I take it back. and Be a freelance <laughs> architect.
1: Oh my god. Is it still Yeah, you are still doing James and Lloyd read in the RPG Blobs, right? Well, obviously yes, but due to COVID-19
2: it's a little bit harder to get together to record episodes. So, we've been we've been on hiatus for a little bit until we get our energy back and the world stops dying. Well, you need to move online. Uh? Yes, the show isn't the same if I can't stare into James's eyes and bully him into picking the choices I want on the list. Which means that you won't get more Eurydice episodes, which would be bad. And I want more of the people I like on there, and less of the people James likes on there. And this is clearly a democracy in a group between
1: us on our podcast. Thank you very much. I wonder if Ken and Robin's got the same issue at the moment.
2: You know, Ken and Robin might think that they're better than us, and they probably are. But that's not the point. We're cooler.
1: They're not. They're really not. <laughs> oh, thanks, babes. <laughs> oh, you said us, like us, including my show, huh?
2: Oh, I mean, yes. Including, yes. Yes. Us, including. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the Relistus podcast is better than Ken and Rob. Just putting it out there. GenCon, give it to this podcast. But while you're there, also give it to Lloyd and James talk about dumb role-playing games. Thank you very much. Okay, bye.
1: Did you make a submission for the NEs? No. Oh. Well, you you need to do a 15 minutes summary episode now it's work to to go there i mean
2: it is fun and exciting to go for the annies but you know what i think i'm okay not putting myself down for the annies for a while let's let's let that whole chapter finish itself off for the next few years and then we'll consider it
1: oh well i thought things were better now because chris spivey joined uh i'm always the last one to to hear (laughs) about (laughs) all of that okay let me let
2: me put it down like this
1: The Ennies are a
2: great show, which I have attended a few times myself. Thank for the grace of God and all fortune. It needs to change in order to be better. Mm -hmm. It is changing. When the changes come through, we will be there with it and we'll support it all the way. But there's a lot of old scars that need to be healed first. And when they are healed, we'll be there. And we're saying there is a space for its change. And we're happy to watch it change and we're willing to watch it go through the change, just that COVID-19 is happening right now, and we know it's not everyone's priority. When it gets better, it'll get better, and we'll be there.
1: Let's hope for the better. So let's start with our traditional question, at the release. least. You're a regular listener, so you would know, you would have prepared. I mean, for the last five years, I feel like I've been a regular so, listener. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, you, you were there with uh, a lot of people from the, the very beginning. Uh, for my sins, yes. Your favorite closer of Dragon Meat on the show. We don't also? talk about that closer. <laughs> Do you know me and Sam
2: still talk about how tired we were for that closer? Because that was our first actual Dragon Meat that we worked together on. And we were wasted tired. <laughs> Unbelievably tired when you came to speak to us. Tired. Nothing else. Yeah, we weren't drunk. No, there was no time to drink. There was no time to breathe. When was I going to get alcohol?
1: I confirm you did not look drunk at all. You were just extremely tired.
2: It was a long day and it was also my favorite dragon meet. and I made sure to never work that hard again for the rest of my life.
1: (laughs) It was my favorite too because it was our first podcast zone and it was very organic and it went very well. I didn't book too many shows who misbehaved hopefully that time we don't talk about <laughs> we the don't podcast talk zone about. this episode so i think <laughs> the title will be the things we don't I mean, talk we can, about we can
2: talk about the podcast zone on your podcast if you like about <laughs> what happened and why the podcast zone got
1: nerfed but let's just
2: leave that for another
1: time shall so we it's not nerf Last year was even bigger than the year before. Yeah, yeah because really we good. had to put some rules in because y'all got wasted, and I mean
2: that in the alcohol hey, sense. I wrote the rules,
1: so it's not like people. And I, I've been saying that to people around. No rules was imposed upon the podcast zone by the organizers. I imposed rules on the podcast zone, following stuff which happened. I submitted them to the organizers and approved them, but they did not show up to tell me you need to do this <laughs> they 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 were not because no but I'm saying that because I hear a lot of crap about a lot of you know big conventions or small conventions it's a lot of work it's very difficult and I don't want people to say things which are untrue about the organization of Dragon Meat there's been nothing but Super generous and kind to everything I did.
2: The organization of Dragon Meat is done by a lot of people who volunteer and help out where they really shouldn't. And they come all across London and England to come down to help us. And we are more than happy to have them down because they are their soul and life of Dragon Meat. Which we have definitely proven on the year we didn't have them all. Which is the year that me and Sam had to do all the work. And that was exhausting. <laughs> and I don't want to think about that time again.
1: So... Again, traditional question, how would you describe, explain what a tabletop roping game is to someone who has absolutely no clue whatsoever of what this is? They haven't seen a show, they haven't heard of the D&D, no clue. How do you explain what is a tabletop roping game to them? I
2: mean, the first thing I always tend to say is that I'll go, it's like acting, but more silly and more fun that's why i say it's it's like theater acting you're in a theater you're doing a play you are the audience and the actor your friends are the spectators and your co-stars and you're going in and having a good time and there's a director usually who will sort of guide you the way you should probably go for the story keep that in mind also, there's a whole bunch of rules and regulations that you have to pay attention to for no reason whatsoever. And they're all completely different every time you run it. And it's crazy and insane. And sometimes they don't work and sometimes they do and you don't know what the heck to do. But don't worry about it as long as you remember that you're there to have fun and you're in the middle of a play and the story and the style of it is what makes it cool. Even if you have conflicts on the table as to how you want the story or your character or anything to go. As long as you remember that you are unified and you're telling a unified story with everyone, including the director, you'll do great. That's the part that takes a while to get because there's a lot of games that are adversarial. Like, don't the games feel adversarial? And maybe people really should not start playing games that are adversarial. I'm looking at you, D&D 3rd Edition. But you have to remember that you're working together in the game. Everybody's coming in and contributing something else to it, just like a theater play. And it's up to you to help watch it gel. And then once you get that down and you realize that you are not restricted to just the written rules, but the unwritten rules that have not really been said, like you can say anything and maybe it might work and you have to figure out how it works and where you go and what you do with it. And once the unwritten rule of don't let yourself be held back by what's written on your paper, allow yourself to be free to see what's not those tiny little things there that people have to understand and get to really know what it's like to role play once you get those every game will flow and it takes a while it, it no one gets on their first time unless you're like some kind of like acting god or something no one gets on their first time they don't get that you are telling a story and you you're more free than you look
1: even if you get it usually you get an aspect of it you might be good at improv making a voice or doing a character yeah. or something else but along the way there's a lot of different lessons you can, you don't have to, but you can learn along the way to improve your experience and the experience of the others.
2: You're right. But even if you get little bits like that, it's the part where you get that you can gel with everyone. I use the word gel so loosely. The part of you can mesh with every single person to tell a story and your impact on the story and how far you can go with the story. That, there is that... <sighs> Every D&D player, every role player has one moment where they suddenly click, where they get it, and they get that part, that thing that makes the role play thing so good. And it's a different, it's like an awakening. And once you get that, it's clearer. And you're right, there are different ways you can get it. Sometimes it's the application of the rule. Sometimes it's the, it's the abuse of the rule. Sometimes it's, oh, you know what? I just rocked up in here with my level 12 cleric and he can kill everything. Come at me, bro. But when you get that part that you feel like you belong and you get that niche, and you build on it, that's when you stop playing the game
1: and you start role-playing the game. It's really magic when that happens. And it can take very different shapes, I find, because lately I've been very aware of that, that the magic can be different there's been a lot of discourse regarding shared storytelling coming up with a story together <sighs> oh god tell me about it and where i started roping him where i still enjoy it the most is normally when i forget myself when i'm immersed and that's different than telling a story it's not quite not the quite. same it's more first person but then i play something like passion de la Passionette with the gauntlet and I have a really, a uh, lot of fun being more in a writer's room coming up together with a telenovela to play. And that's where we get our fun in that moment. But
2: that part there in Person de Persones where you are in a writer's room coming out the storyline is also immersion. All of it's immersion. I have a love hate relationship with immersion because I believe immersion is great and will help you role play better, but you should always keep in the back of the mind that you are still playing a group role playing game. And you shouldn't let your immersion carry you to the point where it ruins it for everyone else. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, for example, the, oh, we should all go into this tower to fight the demon. And you're like, no, I'm going to sit out here and just watch you do it for the next 30 minutes. And I'm like, no, brah, figure out a reason to get in there. You don't need the GM to force you to get in there.
1: As you said, gel, mesh, whatever the type of fun is yours, Mm -hmm. individually, you should never forget and. It's usually amplified if it goes along the grain with the rest of, of the group. It, it's not adversarial in that sense. Yes. I still think you can have fun in roping him as adversaries of some form. But even
2: adversaries in a game have to conform to the story that's being told. Because once you agree to be an adversary, you can't treat the other players like enemies. You have to treat them like other players that you're playing against, even in an adversarial role. So you can't be like, oh, well, I'm just going to keep doing dumb nonsense to abuse the system just to get my way, just to screw you over. That's right. No, my character in-game has to think of ways to be adversarial, but I also have to not take away that agent. it's Adversary play is very hard. It's very hard. It's yeah, very, yeah, I, mean, yeah. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I love it so much. I once played a game. We once played a superhero game where I played um, the Winter Soldier and everyone was playing Captain America, Black Widow, Falcon. And it was great. I had a great time because I was like, yeah. I know I'm the bad guy and I'm just going to lord it up and just be like, come at me, bro. (laughs) And have a laugh at it. But I know I'm like, I'm going to get defeated at the end. It's all good. It's three versus one. I still can't win, but I'm having fun doing it. And once again, depends on how you mesh and get together. Going back on the previous points of what I said about immersion, because once again, me and immersion, we don't gel so well. If you are heavily immersed in a game and you can't bring yourself out of it, due to something happening back, I think you've gone too far. Especially depending on the type of game you're playing. Some yeah, games, some games, like some indie games, are like, yeah, we're all in. I'm looking at you, Penny, for my thoughts. You're like all in. You're like full emotion, tears in your eyes, want to go for it.
1: I mean, I've been reaching out to the people behind Rosenstrasse, mm-hmm. which is a game I find fascinating in concept. So for people who are not aware, Rosenstrasse is a game in which you played, apparently it's based on a... Well, of course, the Holocaust, but a smaller historical event related to a street in Germany Mm -hmm. where you had a lot of mixed families, Jewish and other ethnicities there. And so the topic is very immersive and very tough. I find the game fascinating. I think it's great it exists. I'm not sure I will ever be in a place where... Be able to play it? I, I would like to, to play it, but I want to hear about it, talk about it, have uh, people be aware of that it exists.
2: Well, because remember, role-playing games aren't just D&D anymore. <laughs> we, we have gone well and truly beyond the idea of an elf, a dwarf, a human, and a wizard go into a dungeon and kill some dragons. We're into the bits where you're just playing people in a house just trying to pay the rent to the point where you're playing people who've lost their memories trying to get together... To the point where you're sci-fi aliens trying to discover love. Role-playing games have voluntarily evolved past the tropes that we started with. Both for good and for ill. And it is up to you to find which niche you like to belong to. I always implore people to look past D&D. Because I know it's popular and it's huge. But if you really want to try and get the grasp of everything role-play, you should look past the staples that you're used to. And try something new and exciting, like trying a new meal. You're not going to know you don't like Chinese if you don't eat
1: Chinese, right? Yeah, no. See, role-playing games are sort of unique. Their relationship with their first one, let's say D and D. Although, although you know, there were types of role-playing before D and D, but it sort of set things yeah, in stone. Like
2: <laughs> but yeah, there's a reason why we call role-playing D and D, and it's not just
1: because that we like the I know, what's called acronym. Yeah, but at the same time, I don't think there's any medium, any art, any format, in which the first iteration of that medium, that art, is so... it's got a place which hides everything behind it, uh, almost. I mean, the first movie, we do a lot of remakes, but we're not making remake of the first ever long feature movie ever made. Uh, I think it's the train entering... The station in la Ciotat, stuff like this wizarding school written by a horrible person i don't know
2: what you're talking about i've erased that from my memory the, what, it's, why it's really the episode
1: of, with stuff Who, we don't talk what? about i don't know <laughs> i mean there's no novel which is so popular that people start calling novels the title of that novel or yeah of,
2: uh, well hold up right there because now you're going into branding and we have hoover's not vacuum cleaners.
1: We have Hoover's. yeah. <laughs> We've we got Kleenex and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, but people are aware there are other brands and other things, you and know. People are
2: aware that but with d I mean like they are, but whenever they're asking for things, they'll ask for that specific part. There's a reason why there's staples in this world because we like to do what's comfortable and D&D is very comfortable. At least, it has been recently. I wasn't quite sure about 4th Edition.
1: Hey, <laughs> oh, we are... Fourth edition defenders on this show.
2: I mean, I'm not saying fourth edition was the worst. I loved it. I think it's I the most it honest with dnd I mean, do you know the thing I always say about fourth edition? Fourth edition is fifth edition with boxes. Yes. So if you didn't like fourth edition and you like fifth edition, you like fourth edition. Congratulations. You're, you're part of the problem now. Congratulations. You're oh. That's how it is. You've always liked fourth edition. You just didn't realize it yet because you're too busy hiding. They took all the things from 4th, removed the boxes, cut the health in half, pretended it was roleplay, and then said, there we go, 5th edition. And people freaking loved it. And I'm like, this is exactly what I wanted to. Everybody very, wins.
1: It's very likely 6th edition will look much closer to 4th edition, I think. I mean, if there is going to be a 6th edition. If there is, well, you know, time uh, is infinite, so...
2: Great, wonderful. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I live in a world where I have to live another edition d d This is why I'm always a big fan of trying to maintain the original of what was there and building on it, which is where OSR comes from. Mm-hmm. But even OSR and the idea of OSR is just like building on the old versions of the game, adding some more stuff to it, and then pretending it's new. We the old school.
3: Yeah, old school. We the old school. Yeah, old school. Been getting that money for a girl, sweet honey. Got me some roses and a little bling. I knocked at her door, she said, what you waiting for? I heard you was looking for a king. Been climbing the pyramid, her steps made of green. I'm getting closer. Getting closer. To my little queen. I'm getting closer. Running around acting funny in a certain kind of way I was looking for a card in a pretty bouquet Making moves on the hustle, making a play Making moves on the hustle, didn't want to miss my little queen's birthday They say I'm acting like a fool Just trying to play it cool Get there, we'll reconvene. For you and me, there's no in between. Got some roses and a little bling. Climbing the pyramid with a diamond ring. They say I'm pimping, but I'm getting closer to my little queen. Pulled up in my Coupe ville got the radio on, say we gonna chill. First we'll hit the bar grill and get out of Jacksonville. Book the next flight to Seville. Walk the She's nearing no trail Don't worry baby girl You know the king gonna Flip the bill.
1: Yeah, I was annoyed with OSR because at first, I mean, I'm not sure what it stands for anymore, but my interpretation before I was more informed about them was that OSR, old school role playing, or revival, revival was about old school role playing games in general. But actually, OSR is strictly about D&D, right?
2: Well, no, it's not just It's, about it's not D&D.
1: about Star Wars D6. It's, it's not about the, the original traveler. Well,
2: no, here's the thing, right? Okay, is mothership so, OSR, so, for instance? Well, okay. So bear with me here. Bear <laughs> with me here. Bear with me here. Old school role playing, old school revival, OSR, everything about it has gone through a lot of changes in the last five years. Okay. It had a bit where it, it was, someone described it as the punk rock of role playing, which that person needs to die, but that's a different matter entirely. You
1: because punk is being Brad, Brad, Brad. No, 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 no. problematic not agreeing. I am not commercial. Agreeing. I
2: am not agreeing with this person. We're going to put him in a corner and just leave it at when you're up. Cause <laughs> like, it's my favorite worst saying ever. Um, <laughs> Orisar went through a lot of changes, just like Power by the Apocalypse went through a lot of changes. Oh, yeah. Like, Power Apocalypse is not Power by the Apocalypse anymore as it is. Yeah. Okay. Fine. You're rolling 2d6. Or maybe you're not. You're rolling 2d10. I'm looking at you, Colt. Or you're rolling 1d6 or 2 or
1: 3 or 4. Is Iron Sword PBTA? I'm not even sure. Is Forge in the Dark PBTA because there it was at first? There we go. See? All these games will change because that's what happened. And with
2: OSR, it started off as, oh yeah, we're just we're bringing it back. We're <laughs> trying the old stuff. But then people were like, well, we like this old stuff. Can we just use the rules for other things? Because that's how role-playing works. And then they started changing it around and moving it through. So OSR isn't really OSR. In a everything has to be old school anymore. It's now OSR as in like a brand of what built up. Because then we have Into the Odd, we have the Medline games coming through. We have Rovers, which is technically d- technically power by and OSR added to it. We've got like a whole bunch of like OSR-esque style games down to Bon Electric Bastion Land, Mothership, Troika, Troika? It's Troika I don't know, it might be, it might be oh, influenced oh, for sure. Yeah the influence of the old OSR has spread past the initial build-up of people through it and the controversies that came with it. Oh, my freaking God. Can we talk about that?
1: Again, this episode, all the stuff we don't talk about. No, 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 no. no. No, We're going to come back to that. We're going to come back right now. We're not
2: leaving. Let me talk about OSR, right? OSR came out like five years ago, right? Just when just when 5th edition started coming out, right? Uh Uh-huh, yeah. Makes sense. Which means that a whole bunch of people who weren't playing role-playing games came back for 5th edition. And they came with them with all the bull crap and the ideals and every dumb nonsense that they had. And they dumped it on there just as Facebook was blowing up. So then Facebook had all these groups that were all role-playing groups. And they were like, we're get special ones. And so we're in there. If you don't like it, don't play. And a whole bunch of dumb nonsense came with it. And Orisa capitalized on that. They capitalized on old people coming back to role playing games and said, "Hey, do you remember how this was? It's really cool. Come join us." Ignore the controversies in our books and stuff like that. Ignore, ignore the past that we have. Ignore the fact that we support really terrible people. That's on the side. Don't worry about that. We're old school. We're just like you meant to be. If you don't like it, don't play it. We know what real role playing is. We know how dark it gets. We know what's up. And that built this to themselves, not a toxic fan base. It built a toxic ideal for osr and then osr had its starter champions start to look a bit rough and the people in osr were like actually you know what i'm a good person and i don't really want to associate myself with all this nonsense can we just have osr just be osr can i just release some fun stuff so they started releasing fun stuff they were like well we want to get past that idea and like leave our troubled past behind and make some new things and that brought in newer people who had seen osr been like i don't want any part of this people are really weird and wrong and want to enjoy it a bit more. We have things like Dungeon Crawl Classics to thank for things like that. Yeah, We've got yeah. the whole idea of... Is this Sortsful? I can't remember what it's called. Something, something like that. We've got all these people who were like, we want to make OSR, but we don't want to make controversial OSR. We just want to make fun OSR. And we're bringing our stuff in, and we're leaving this weird ideology behind, and we're trying to build up on something new and exciting and fun and cool and magical. And OSR started to change within it and the changes within osr is what makes it so good today that's why it's such a great powerhouse as it is now it's nowhere near the powerhouse i'm using the phrase twice i'm sorry about that nowhere near what it used to be but it's better than it used to be and it's something that people can actually sit back and enjoy as a system due to those people taking a step past what it was to what it is now
1: It's interesting to see all those movements sort of running parallel and having all their growth, their peak, their collapse. And then you've got sort of the synthesis, which is better. Uh, (laughs) uh, Hopefully, you most of the time it's better. Well, we don't
2: say better all the time. You know, we do live in a world where anyone can write a role-playing game, put it online, and people will just download it and buy it and love it and be like, okay, this is the new normal now, and then we have to get used to it. Story games started off the same way. They started off with... A few people on the forge just writing a few fun things about like a grand lady trying to prepare a house for her son to come over with a few little things. We had Witch, we had Fiasco, we had all these little things building it up to where it is now. We had all these old school heroes. Old school heroes is not OSR, I'm just people that were like the pioneers of indie gaming. Back in it, like Jason Morningstar and the guy who wrote Durance. I can't remember the name of him. Oh my God. It's killing me. It'll come to me. At some point, I remember this. Can you just insert that bit in? Like me saying, Oh, by the way, the person is this person. I can do it in
1: a very obnoxious way with like sound effects in front and behind it. Please don't. Please don't. So, so it's like,
2: (laughs) (laughs) please don't do that. That's terrible.
1: And then you said,
2: we had Vincent Baker coming up with some great stuff. We had all this, all this build up of indie stuff. And then it spread out. And became like a bit more commercial because that's how the world works. And then everyone started picking up a book and writing it again because the new revival was in and we could all make our own things. And then some of that stuff, st- then, then came the division between indie and trad and what counted as trad and what of as indie. Oh God, what a wonderful time that was. Is it over? Still over, right? I'm still, I mean, I'm no, still arguing no, no, it's about over. that. Not? No, no, it's over. It's <laughs> over. It's over. No one, no one distinguishes the two anymore. It's definitely over. Now we're like, we play fun games that we have a good time with and we don't care whether it's Trad or India or whatever.
1: My favorite question at the moment is, uh, what should we call something like Modifius or even Chaosium or Cubicle 7? Had this argument with uh, someone in the US. And long story short, it ended up that for that person... Stricto senso, Sensu, I don't know what you said, the only non-indie publisher is Wizards, maybe Fantasy Flight Games, because they got shareholders. <laughs> and I, and my argument was that you cannot really round up <laughs> together, not as one is better than another, but there's something, personally, I find fundamentally different between Emodifus, A 7, and Chaosium, who's got several lines... Of well follow up and highly produced lines of role playing games with, again the people who do mothership, which again it's not a statement saying that Star Trek or adventures Twitter or like yeah yeah put, like, like things are put down. Uh, uh, so or what do, would you okay. call modifiers, then?
2: Okay, tell you what, tell you what, I can solve this problem in a wonderful way, which yeah, is oh, so human consumption. Yeah, D and D is so popular, so huge that Pathfinder by sales alone can be considered an indie game. If we go by (laughs) sales alone, D&D is so massive and such a massive part of the sales section. That huge chunk of just D&D is so huge that every single other game is indie.
1: But then there's several aspects. The, The aspects of the... Doesn't matter. No, but there's the aspect of the type of company in terms of legal status. Doesn't matter. Then there's the sales and then there's this type of product. But...
2: All of that is irrelevant because you know what? Every other game can never get up to the main person. So they might as well all be indie and save yourself a lot of time and effort. Pathfinder is indie now, guys.
1: Well, it's, <laughs> it's true in the English speaking world, but it's not true in the French speaking world, the Japanese speaking world. Chaosium is the biggest there.
2: I mean, hold up now. Okay. We all have seen the Japanese call of Cthulhu images, right?
1: If you've which, not which seen one? it, like, no, I haven't seen it. Okay. So. Call of Cthulhu. But according to the <laughs> eminent doctor Linardi, the most popular role-playing game in Japan is Call of Cthulhu.
2: And there's a very good reason for it. So the people over there, right, play their games, record them, and then write them up as stories. Yeah. And the stories also include art. So think about like two incredibly awesome-looking anime girls looking like detectives on the covers with a Call of Cthulhu logo at the bottom. Just look up Call of Cthulhu images from Japan. It is the greatest thing I have ever seen. It's like, anime Call of Cthulhu, I can't believe. I'm like, I, I want them. I yeah, don't even play want Call of them. Cthulhu, and I want some of that. Forget about Reign of Terror, we don't want French People, like, Call like, of Cthulhu. Not that Mask of boredom like, give me like, anime girl solving crimes. <laughs> I want them published over here so bad. I would buy them. I want the anime, I want the manga, I want the visual novel, I want a Netflix adaptation. I want that version
1: here maybe we'll get them uh, one day maybe one day
2: but yeah maybe you're right only in the English section of the world there is that big build up of this is where D&D rules whereas over there it isn't but even if that is perfectly true sales wise they still sell more to more people here than Colocufu sells to people there
1: yeah but then if I was taking a parallel like with cinema in France in Japan in Spain you still have Productions, movies, which are more commercial productions, they are aimed at a type of entertainment, a type of offer, a type of audience internally to these countries, which is different than doing, like doing a taxi, for instance, for people, if people know the, the taxi series, which is called sort of fast of Furious... Before then Fast and Furious in France.
2: Don't laugh. No, it's fine it's fine. I love the Doom series from India, so I can't complain.
1: Yeah, but yeah, or India and so on. And if you were saying in terms of ticket sales, it doesn't matter because Taxi and uh, those stuff by Luc Besson or those entertainment focused productions, they are outsold so much compared to a Marvel movie or so on. That doesn't mean you can just, in terms of giving people tools to find what they enjoy, the type of production they enjoy, that doesn't mean you can throw a taxi with a Darden movie, which is about a very social team, and then they'll go to Cannes and get a palm.
2: That is a very good point, which I have to fully concede on, except that when you bring it down to the age of role-playing games, no one has given us the official definition of indie yet. No one has said that it's indie due to sales. No one has said it's indie <laughs> doing anything else. As such, by that logic alone, I can pick the biggest distinguisher between them, which the one that mostly matters, which is
1: sales, and use that as an official reading for myself. And that's what I'm using that for. Uh, it. I guess at the end of the day, when I bring up this subject, what matters to me is I find there's a term missing for a type of production which is not a small budget produced by a, a very person. narrow team, individual. We are missing a term to encompass the free league, the modifus, and so on, to describe what they are, which is not a, a smaller game. Maybe indie is not the right word either for trendy? Mothership. How about trendy? Trindy? Yeah. Uh-huh. Trad indie. Trendy. There we go. Trad indie. Yeah, okay. trendy. I don't know. I haven't heard of it, so
2: maybe. Listen, listen. As someone who is in the know and didn't just make this word up until on the spot, I think that's a great word. I, t- I saw I did not make this word up. I think, yes, there we go. Trendy. That yeah, okay. Let's start with that. Everything that is that well produced, that isn't Pathfinder, D and D, or let's throw them in there. No, let's not
1: throw Pathfinder in there. Pathfinder, Pathfinder D and D. Let's call them trendy. Trendy. Yeah, I think it's a question of not only quality of production but the sort of ongoing production having multiple books. In the same line, maybe a license of some kind or so.
2: Licensed games would probably just be called licensed games. License because games. Like, licensing would be thought that you've got the license to publish the game. With the idea of licensed games, is that you have to pay the money and give the royalties to them. So you're expecting sales to be fairly large. Otherwise, why would you have a license to do it in there?
1: Because you
2: can't just go out and get Star Trek.
1: But large is relative because you have Star Wars, you have Star Trek, you're still not going to beat. D&D in the current state of things.
2: No, because D&D
1: being a a non-license, it's, I mean, it's a license, but at the same time, they still have not succeeded in doing anything else but a role-playing game, which is successful. Video games, uh, novels. Uh, Yeah, video games, novels, uh. But not movies. I mean, for the wider audience. What movies?
2: I don't know what you're talking about. There was never a <laughs> d and movie. Wait, wait. Do you know I went to watch that in the cinema with my cousin when I was like 17? <laughs> I have never regretted pulling my family through something more terrible in my life. <laughs> you brought them to Dungeons & Dragons. Let me movie. tell you the story. Okay, check this, out, check this out. Check this out. Oh, please, God. Why am I talking about this? Okay, so... This is me, young Lloyd, got to the country, no idea what I'm doing. I've heard of DD, but I've never played it or seen it anywhere else. And I see a Dungeons and Dragons trailer on, like, in the cinema. I look at my cousins and
1: go, we're going to go watch this. Actually, I know I'm going to interrupt you for a second. Go on. Just to say it ties in very well with the second question, because we just, <laughs> question number two. At this point. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we might need to edit this a lot. I'm sorry. It's, it's fine. It's that. But my second question was, what was actually your first exposure two tabletop roping games so i think you can tie it nicely to your okay. answer to this well, one
2: let me tell you actually about my first role roleplay but I, i'm I, but so but sorry go
1: on with dungeons and Dragons, the movie first
2: i must tell you this right now um next time maybe send me the list so that i can stay on topic because i'm terrible at oh, rambling no, i love
1: that it's perfect know uh, okay. it's great
2: all right so check this out it's like 2002 or something like that i'm young i'm foolish i've never had and D before i know it exists because i've seen it on like Dexter's Lab of all places, or like some other random things. I'm like, I want to know what that is. I want to play that. I want a game. Is it a Reader game? Is it a role-playing game? I don't know. What's a role-playing game? I see Dungeons and Dragons being advertised in a cinema while watching the movie. I look at my cousins and go, Yo, we go watch this. And they're like, no, I don't want to watch this. I'm like, is it a watch this? Or we go watch the Bratz movie? And I went, okay, fine, we'll watch this instead. A halfway point, Bratz movie, really good. Watch it. It was great. Um, way better. <laughs> so I take my cousins, we go to the cinema, we sit down, we start watching it. We're both silent all the way through. And powerfully, I found out a lot later, my cousin hasn't said a word because in his head he's like, this movie is really bad. But Lloyd was looking so forward to it and I didn't <laughs> want to disappoint him. Which is the first time he's done anything like that for me ever and ever since. And then I turn to him and I go, this movie is terrible. And he's like, oh my God, I'm so glad you said it. Gonna say. <laughs> so then we just, we just sit back and we just start taking the piss out of this film. Which have half- really weirdly enough gets better after the black guy dies i don't know how that works but when the CJ dragons are flying through we had a laugh we're just like laughing at it we're like why is he wearing purple lipstick i don't even know what's going on i'm 19 or 17 and i know this is bad and we just had an absolute blast with it but that was my first exposure to anything roleplay wise i had paid money to go see so you didn't see the
1: cartoon or i
2: know we didn't have it in ghana we didn't get a cartoon in ghana we were also busy watching transformers and like Beast Wars and like, I don't know, like Spiral Zone, which by the way is a great cartoon. Where's,
1: where's the game of Spiral Zone, people? Like. Hey, you're the one in the industry, you should bring it.
2: Yeah, oh, I
1: can't write them. Go fetch this. It- I-
2: I'm sure, oh, I'm sure yeah.
1: Modifuse could take care of it. I guess it would well, be a 2D20 system then.
2: No, 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 <laughs> cut halfway through. I mean, we're getting Heroes of Grey style from Cortex Prime, right? Oh, yeah, you're right. I mean, like, if they're going to do that, maybe that means we can take that system and then plug it to other role-playing games. You know what's
1: happening with Cortex Prime? This sprout out of a hole for me and suddenly they're doing He-Man yeah. and Dragon Prince. I'm like, well, wh- where are you coming from? Cam Banks, being the god that he is, wrote
2: a role-playing game, which I love, which is Marvel, which are my favorite games of all time. Marvel is Could really Could you rent
1: it for a friend? Hmm? Could you run it online for a free? No, I could not. Oh, come on. Okay, okay. We're looking for a game master for a Smallville podcast. Listen,
2: Smallville is an amazing game. Yeah. It is absolutely killer good. But it is difficult to read. It's not difficult to read. It takes a while to get going, it takes a while to run. You need to be on ball and run it. You know, actually, let me know. I know a GM who'll be perfect for it. A yeah, Smallville GM was great. Yeah, you know, Smallville's one of the greatest game of all time because it's the only game that Superman will look at you and go, I'm going to laser in the eye. And you go, would you like a cup of tea instead? And Superman has to stop. <laughs> because you're just that good at offering tea. Because it's, Smallville is the closest thing we'll ever get to a CW drama role-playing game. And a lot of Smallville stuff is in Cortex Prime. It's a great drama-inducing game. Hence why they're using it for Heroes of Greystyle and Tales of Exadia. And the other one I played, Hammerheads. Games that are all about drama between characters. For those of you who know what's Dragon Prince, um, go watch Dragon Prince, how very effing dare you? That show is all about the connection between like six characters on two different sides. And you cannot do that in a role-playing game. You cannot have like people play one side and another side and make it work. But you can in Cortex. In Cortex, you can play adversarial characters versus good characters. And everyone can have their own agenda and their own group. And they can go up against each other. And the game encourages you, like, fight each other. Fight each other in words, in physical form, in intrigue, in
1: social deduction, in games, in everything. So in Smallville, the role-playing game, I could play Lex. It could work. You could play Lex. Doesn't have to be an NPC. My first role-playing
2: game, I practically played Lex. (laughs) We had a game where, like, I played Chloe and someone else played Lex. And oh. they they killed their dad at the end in secret work. It, just, it, was, it was the most dramatic move. Smallville is just one of those games where it, it's like you are working to the form a story, but you got to fight the other players if you want to get forward. Because the more conflicts you have with other people, the better the game becomes.
1: Well, soon on Farm to Fable, the Smallville fancast.
2: Maybe one day I'll be good enough to be like, I can run this game perfectly, but I don't think I'm there. I'm still practicing. I practice like once a year.
1: Maybe you you just like when you run Nibiru, you kept saying you I'm bad at this, I'm bad at this, I'm bad at horror. Okay. You were very I, good. No, I was really bad
2: at horror. Let's not talk about the Nibiru game, shall we? I was terrible. I am really bad at horror. Everything I do turns to action. I'm an action GM. I like adventure. I like fun. I like getting up there and punching the bad guys in the face. I'm not really a. I'm not really a slow descending, hidden in the corner. I got distracted again. You did it again. Why would you do this to me? What was I saying?
1: So the question was after you saw Dungeons and Dragons the movie which was your first exposure ever to any tabletop role playing game in Ghana what was your very first experience or exposure to tabletop role playing games or did it start it
2: before i continue i would like to point out that i'm really sorry for all the editing you're going to have to do to keep me on point
1: i'm not editing i'm not editing like that i'm editing a lot of nitpicking but the structure or the <laughs> i'm not i'm not changing it okay you say so so
2: i'm young I'm just about to go to university. I'm getting ready for everything else. And I noticed that there's a book in my books, etc., in Wood Green. Because I usually pop in there and read something when I'm bored. Cause like, you know, back in the day the internet wasn't that good. I couldn't just go on there and go on Facebook and be like, why is this happening?
1: Yeah, kids these days they don't know how easy it is for them to. I mean, to
2: be honest, kids these days are having it better and good on them. <laughs> Cause we grew up in a crap
1: time. They're like, um, I'm playing only D&D because uh, I don't know where I would play something else. You're like, really? Just Google it. Seriously, Google it. <laughs> Just Google it. Like, do you remember the time where like we had to like go to the library to figure out anything? That was rubbish. I tried to join a role playing game club, which my mother noticed in the newspaper in an ad. It's like, what's this world? What is that 19th century? <laughs> whatever, uh, was the murder of Whitechapel roaming the streets like that? No, it was the 90s. It was like that. There was no internet. We didn't even have Yahoo or Alta Vista or MSN Messenger. None of that was there. I always tell people, hey, guys, if you don't like a roleplay group, just go find another. It'll take you like two minutes. Yeah. Why are not, you bothering? You're not stuck in a village. I, I say, you know, it's funny because in the community, I find the mentality of being stuck in a village with that one game master Is still around a lot. People seem to be reluctant to to play games with other people than their one group or. Anyway, so you were saying. Anyway, this book. (laughs) This book. So I look in there, there's
2: Dungeons and Dragons Dragons 3rd edition 3.5 in books, etc. So I pull it out and I'm like, is this it? Is this the Dungeons and the Dragons? All right, so I read it cover to cover and I'm like, I get it now. Okay, so it's like a game. But you're at a table and you pretend to be playing the game. But how does that work? I don't know. This, I mean, like this is like there was no YouTube videos. No no, YouTube. I'm gonna go go to YouTube. There was no critical role. There was no critical role. What am I supposed to do? (laughs) Like, how does this work? I don't know. But there was Meetup.com.
1: Oh wow. Oh oh whoa. You you're such a summer child.
2: I know, right? (laughs) Isn't it great? i (laughs) was so young. So young.
1: Looking at Meetup.com back in the days
2: mm, for D and D. But it, it worked. I went online. I looked up. I was like, okay. I I think I I think I Yahooed
1: Dungeons and Dragons. Do you remember the ad? Do you (laughs) Yahoo? (laughs) Yahoo!
2: Oh my god! Oh my god! How do we live? How do we survive? I don't know. You know, I I visited
1: London before smartphone. I came to London with Hospitality Club, which was already a website. Wow! I, I found complete strangers willing to host me to have them on their couch, literally complete strangers. And I found where they lived in London <laughs> being a foreigner. I didn't live in London. I was living and born in in Belgium, but I found where they live in North, North London using a AZ guide, mm-hmm. you know, which for wow. foreigners is uh, our wow. booklets with maps. And I'm like, Oh, how did I do
2: that? I have, no idea. My first D&D game, they were like, "Come to this pub." And I was like, "Cool." Where is it? I don't know. they were like, "Okay, go here, go down, go around the corner, completely she's come down, go in here, and you're at the green man pub." I'm like, "Cool. Cool. Where is it? I don't know. Help me." So, I find a group of meetup.com so at you were some, in London already at the time, yeah. I go play D and D. I have a great time. I never saw any of those people in that group again after that game finished. They're probably somewhere in the world. I don't know. If I saw them, I wouldn't recognize them to be honest. But that started me off, and then from then on, I kept playing, then stopping, then playing, then stopping, then playing, then stopping, then playing then stopping for years until maybe I think it was like twelve years ago that I got back in the habit of it when Dark Sphere opened for the first time when what Dark Sphere in London opened oh yeah alright and I went in there randomly because I was like well I'll, you know, whatever. I whatever I'm used to role play I know what a role play guy is and they were like do you want to come play Encounters 4th edition and I was like sure why not let's
1: get back into it the golden age of 4th edition mm, the golden age when people could roleplay and when I when D&D was true it. to itself
2: <laughs> dude uh, okay for everyone who's quit the podcast now I'm really sorry I'd like to apologize um, but from then on I never left And I just kept playing games and I got introduced to the indie meets, which happens like every first Saturday of the month. And I started going to conventions, which I didn't even know was a thing back then. Still bad advertising. People don't know conventions are real. And then I started going to things and I started meeting people and then it just snowballed from there. And that's how I got into the hobby. Because like, it's, I always say... The hobby is very insular. Because people are always like, well, it's okay, guys. You're very welcome. I'm like, no, you're not. Mm, girl, no. Mm-mm, don't freaking lie. You're not welcoming at all. It's it is much more work.
1: welcoming than before the internet. I
2: mean, yes, but no. <laughs> because Yeah, but no, but yeah, yes. But yeah, but no, because there are so many hobbies out there that you can get into by looking into and jumping in and having a good time. In role-playing... If you want to get into the roleplay hobby and you meet some people, that group is going to be selected to that alone. And unless they know people who know people where other parts of the hobby is happening, you're not going to get past that group. So then you'd be like, "Oh yeah, I played Dungeons once with four people for 20 years, and that's all I knew. I never knew about role playing games out of the world. I never knew about I never knew about drive through RPG because I always just went to the store and bought one book, and I was like, that's it. That's all I needed. There's very little ways to find out more about the group hobby." unless other people bring you in. And there's always a veto process in all groups for role-playing games. And it doesn't seem like there is, but it's true. Because you have to be cool enough or play the game well enough for them to invite you in. Very few people are good enough that they can just make their own circles and then go research themselves. But this is why D&D is so popular. Because once you buy the book, and some group lets you in. And they don't tell you anything else is out there. You will never know anything else is out there. And you will never experiment and reach out. Because the groups are very insular.
1: Everything is a clique when it comes to this world that we live in. And it's comforting, actually. Especially in those days when you, we have a lot of arguments about a lot of things. You go in, in the D&D group. You don't talk about most of the time about Brexit and, and other stuff.
2: Yeah, but if you did, they won't invite you further past. Some groups are like we don't do politics here. Yeah,
1: which is their excuse for please don't talk about
2: politics. I don't like, but no, that's just me. That's just me. By the way, everything is politics. Just a heads up. Everything, everything is yeah. everything, is, is, everything is, you, is politics. No, when you it's nice, kill that's politics, you, it's all coming. Yeah, yeah, to, yeah, that's the way it is. It's to coming to you and <laughs> <laughs>
1: your get your kids and, your, your, and your, your healthcare. But
2: the thing about it is that, everything is a clique that requires to be invited in because there's so many avenues for role play out there. But to get into them, to know what's out there, you need to know someone to know, even now in the world where Row 20 exists and like groups can be found online that you can just jump into, it's still about who you know in there and about establishing a ground. Do you know, for example, that there is like a meetup that happens every Friday online for a whole bunch of role players from the con scene that get together with like maybe like thirty people every Friday on hangouts or pad up? they don't think it's insular. They think it's a very popular thing. And I'm like, you're right. But you would only know about that if you knew someone already in there.
1: Yeah. And like, I mean, I run a podcast. I try to get myself out there with what I do. And I don't know about it. And I keep noticing people who are surprised that, I mean, first of all, it happens to me, like I organize something and then and I spend my time promoting it like a maniac, you know, so I'm, I'm proactive with that, being out there. And then I got people, I have no clue that was happening. And there are people who are my friends <laughs> or people who follow me on Twitter. And I'm like, what? I've been busting my ass doing That's that. That's just the way the hobby is because when you get a group, you stick to a group and you don't go past it. And social media are very deceptive because you're there and there's like such a strong noise about some topics. And it feels like everybody's heard about Hashtag fire this guy. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you step away, you realize that actually, except the 100 or 50 people who happen to be active on your Twitter feed, nobody knows or cares. Or...
2: And that's just the way it is. Yeah. We're trying to find ways to make the hobby a bit more open to people. And it is, like you said, it's a lot better than before because now now you can't just go online and Google, what is role-playing game? How do I play and get into one? But when when me and you started, that was not easy at all. And even now, sometimes I'm not quite
1: sure it's still easy as it is. And that's a shame, but that's just the way the world works, you know? You know, I mean, of course I would love... I'm about to say something, and by that I don't mean that I don't want as many people as possible to play role-playing games. But at the same time, it's almost a feature, the fact that the best way to learn a role-playing game is through playing the role-playing game with other people rather than just read the book. On one hand, it's something which keeps people away from the hobby and that's a shame. But on the other hand, it's nice because actually that means that the hobby is got socializing with other people built in as an element of it. You need to engage with other people to learn and to run, quotation mark, properly a game like for instance, me, I started with, quotation mark, traditional games, Star Wars D6 and so on. Not a D&D-dominated environment, but traditional games with a, a certain mindset in the way you, you run things. Would
2: you consider Star Wars D6 a trad game? Would you? Some Would might you? say
1: trendy. <laughs> but, but, you know, I've been hearing about Session Zero, PBTA, shared storytelling, lines and veils for ages for several years been listening to many podcasts with a lot of advice and so on read blogs and so on and I never quite managed to pull it off or really get it until I joined the gauntlet and started playing a lot of games in which those were built in in the culture
2: which brings up another problem you see because the hobby is insular you tend to play with people who are very similar to you So if you want to try and bring people in, you have to kind of show that other people are welcome in there, which comes to the diversity problem where everyone goes, it's not my job to get black people or people of color or disabled people to play the game. I'm just here to play the game. They're welcome (laughs) if they want. And they're going, well, we don't freaking know that. We just see a bunch of white guys in hats playing the game. And that's all we see. And we don't know any more than that. So we think it's... Pretty much based on that group. And we have no idea if you would make things in. When then comes the argument of it's not their fault. So whose fault is it? And then it spirals into the circle of nonsense. And that's why we need to find ways of putting things like that into games of safety precautions and everything else. Because if we want the hobby to grow, we have to make it so other people can come in from the things that we start off with. And you can't really grow a hobby. If you're just going to be sitting there pretending that you're doing the same thing every day and it never needs to change.
1: Yeah, it's not an excuse, but I guess it's a reality that the I guess the word is the problem is systemic. Yeah, it needs collective effort uh, to, to change it. Like I'm trying to have more black guests.
2: I mean, you should starting with me, obviously, because I'm amazing. But you're finding because, it hard to but, find black people.
1: Yes. Do you want to know why? And I asked you if you could recommend people, but when I'm asking that question to you online, yeah. I feel bad asking this question I know, because I I, I'm I like, have someone by the
2: way, let me know
1: after this. I'll oh yeah. You know, I love him. Anyone, anyone.
2: I'll tell you why it's that hard because the hobby doesn't look easily welcome to black people because none of the advertisers or anything else had black people on it. I just want to point out that until like we had like what fifth edition, there were barely any black people in the Garden and Books in the first days of the indie, until we had like indie games coming out and trying to be more accessible to people to color, we barely had anything that wasn't, oh, a bunch of white dudes playing role-playing games. How are people supposed to know? How are people supposed to see anything else? If the things that we put forward to advertise that this is what's in there isn't diverse, then people aren't going to know to come in with that. Which is one of the problems of Critical Role when it first started out. Cause I was like, well, great. You're right. You are the staple of it. But people aren't gonna know that this hobby welcomes everyone if they look at it, see the same type of people that come on the show every time and will just instantly clock it out of their heads. I mean, like, I'm used to it now. I'm so used. I'm so used to going to a convention and being the only black guy there. I mean, it's got better now, thank God. It's like four of us now. It's great. But I'm so used to being like one of very few black people there and going to conventions and being like that because the hobby doesn't go out of its way or try to say that it's not just white people in there anymore. And some people argue it shouldn't have to. People are welcome. It's just not up to them. But if it doesn't have to, why are you advertising it and pushing the things forward that are just predominantly white men? Push forward some things that are people of color. Put forward things that are bo- for disabled people. Push, this is why itch.io is so good. Push forward people and things that are not just the same type of thing every day over and over again. And if you do that, more people will come in because they'll see it as welcome to the people. It was terrifying for me the first time. Trying to figure out role play and then like coming into groups, even in London, which was like predominantly white. For pretty much mo- for the first like 10 years, the first like six years, nothing but white people everywhere. And me trying to just be like, I know it's not on purpose, but I always feel like I'm a, I'm a delicacy at this point when it comes to these things. And I'd like to just feel like I belong.
1: But it takes work. It's, and it's, yeah. it's, I mean, that's a problem with, I want to have more black guests. And what I keep telling people is that the entry level, sorry to say that, <laughs> to be my guest is very low. <laughs> just uh, exist. I mean, it, it just, just exist. <laughs> uh, don't be obviously someone bad by any parameters that I could notice before mm-hmm. you, you show up in my feed. Preferably don't come to me with a, a DND 5e project because I'm sorry, but I'm bored to whoa, whoa, tears whoa, with whoa, that.
2: Whoa. There's nothing wrong with D&D
1: for 5th edition progress. Come, no, on. I mean, Come on. I mean, bro. there's a lot of other platforms for people to talk about that rather than mine. So if I contact someone black, sometimes the question is, why are you contacting me specifically? And the answer is, well, because you're black, but at the same time, I would interview anyone else regardless. Like the reality is that black queer women to a lesser extent it's a bit easier if i don't pay attention if i'm not proactive in keeping a a sort of a quota on my thing just the system the state the things are Mm -hmm. make it that i end up with five white male guests and maybe a few of them are, are are queer but if I'm not yes, setting a parameter to say no, no, I specifically want what
2: people of color. I want to hear no, other I voices. Want white
1: people, people of color, different perspectives. Uh, it, it's just not happening. But then when I invite them, I, I don't, you know, I don't mean that in a bad way. But I don't almost don't care about the people who are interviewed. I'm just sincerely curious about the story they got to tell, whoever they are, as long as they're nice people. So I don't have a justification for. A black person, mm-hmm. because I don't have a justification for anyone, because it's truly really random. Nobody won an award or did something which impressed me for me to get them on the show. You just want to have different voices on the show, yeah, because it gives them perspectives. For
2: example, me watching the Dungeons and Dragons movie being one of the very first few movies I watched when I came to this country. You want people from different backgrounds and the backgrounds that you're used to to and make be- to put
1: out. I'm up. not That's even you want that. You know, not even because I'm militant or whatever. I just find it more enjoyable. I
2: mean, also that... It's much less also, boring. Also, are amazing and you need to hang out with more of them. I'm just
1: saying, like, I should know. Why get me to the... Cool parties with black people. Look, uh, listen, there's
2: four role players on black people, four black people, black role players in this world, okay? Don't start with me.
1: I'm trying my best. <laughs> well, I I'm want to, to sit the there forward. with you, Mike Pondsmith. Uh, uh, <laughs> God, I would kill to, to hang out with my partner. Chris Pivey and we all around the table. Uh, Do you know
2: how many, like, black, like, black role play Id- idols I have? There's like four, and Mike Pondsmith is like three of them. I love that, man. I wish I was as cool as Mike Pondsmith we need more it would be nice to have more role players and more people in the industry that i can look up to to see like hey look we made it up there you can come up too and that's kind of what mike puntsman's kind of feels for me because i'm like i want to be as cool as that guy i want to be as cool as. That. i mean figuratively i want to be better than that guy because that's me I, mean, I like to fight strife for like just being cool than everyone else but it's good to have those people to set that ground so I know where I can go. And I know it's cool for me to get there. So I know I can take those steps forward. And once again, I'm not saying every role player is racist. I'm not, I mean, there's probably some role players that are racist. I'm not going to go into that. But I'm, I'm saying that when we ask for diversity, we're not trying to shut down white male people. We're trying to bring everyone else up to their level.
1: Yeah, but to just address that, because I heard that a couple times when I'm picking my guest for something like film studies or even an actual play, and I tell some people uh, as we're having private discussion, okay, I want, a, I want at least a girl, I want this uh, and this. And people say, oh, you shouldn't take someone just because they're a girl. You should just take them on merit. And I'm like, there's, there's no... I'm not having people pass exams to be into an actual <laughs> play. There's no merit into that. There's just random arbitrary stuff which I'm not even aware of which are happening and make the fact that we end up with those three people so I'm just picking one parameter on top of all the stuff which are already there and already forcing the choice but I don't audition 10 people say are you really the perfect role to play that that gnome magician in that D&D actual play Uh, no one had on the show had huge merits you know they were hugely qualified to be role players they were just the people I happened to record with who who were great I mean of course I want them to be great but that that's a low bar to be great <laughs> by my standards <laughs> and friendly. Like I mean, even you, I find you were great as a horror game master. I a terrible.
2: Why do you keep saying this? I was a terrible horror game master. I am the worst. <laughs> never play a horror game with me running it. It will not be a horror See, game. You're the only
1: person who run an horror game on the Rollers podcast.
2: That's because I had no choice. I was. That was like my first. I had no year, choice
1: either. <laughs> my first year at UK Games Expo, by the way. My
2: very first year. I was trying to run games on demand by myself. And then you have to put that in there with me. And I'm like, I'm like wired. Federico is to blame, not me. I blame you. I blame all of you. I'm like wired, tired, and full of literally zero energy. And I had to run this horror game for you. And I am terrified and I'm going to mess it up because I've never run anything in a podcast before. And my brain is running in a million places. Oh God, I was a good year. But I I don't know. I never. I always look back at that game. I'm like, I could have done better. I could have pushed it more. I could have... I. I it's one so of those things, isn't it? Because you can always look back at what you've done and how you've done things and try and see what worked and what didn't. But the more you look at it, the more you judge what you did. And that comes from being a GM as well. When you're a GM running games, you can always look back and be like, yeah, I messed that up. I should have done this better. And it's not such a bad thing. Then you know where your niche is. Every role player, every role player in GM has a niche. They have the one thing that they can do very well absolutely well some people it's storytelling some people it's rules some people it's dumb nonsense that the gym wasn't expecting some people it's just turning up and you'd be surprised how good that one is oh yeah (laughs) but everyone has their niche of what they do and as a role player or a gm once you find that niche and you nourish it like a talent you have in a in a video game and you specialize it up that's when you become a far better role player than you started off with find that niche that you have and and like expand it and build on it and use it to complement your weaker points and push it forward for example me i'm an action gm if something sounds like it's gonna turn the scene into an action scene i am always down for it it's a big weakness of mine so if we're in the middle of the conversation and the player's like you know what i'm bored i kick him out the window i'd be like Okay. Action. <laughs> I mean, first I'd be like, oh God, what have you done? And then I'd be like, All right, how do I make this into an action scene? Right, let's go. Because I love that. I love people taking charge because I never take charge of my life. I'm so, I'm so, I'm so laid back in taking action that in role-playing games, I love it when people do take action. I love taking action there because that's the one time I get to explore that part of me that I feel is so weak. I love reaching out and doing something. Because doing something is so hard for us to do in this day and age that we live in. Sometimes it feels like the actions we take have no relevance whatsoever in anything we do. I mean, it's kind of like when we vote, isn't it?
1: But go vote. (laughs)
2: Please please go vote. It feels like when you vote, right? go vote more. But that's the part that I enjoy the most, when things are happening. Even if it's a word being said, even if it's something that is like being put through, I love things just being done. And I try to put that in all of my games.
1: This episode included Old Schooling Radio Edit by Dollar Bill, Game Boy Horror by The Zombie Dandies, and of course Solta of Frango or Team Song by Bonded O'Roe. All logo is designed by Rodin Kuns. And you can find it on a number of apparel and accessories such as notebooks and even face masks on our Tee Public store linked in the description of this episode. I really enjoyed this episode. It was great meeting Lloyd to record it. I hope you didn't mind our conversations drifting away on multiple occasions. Hence the reason why we have two parts of this episode. We recorded quite a bit. If you've liked it or not, uh, please let me know. Tweet me about it. Let me know your thoughts about what we've been discussing. I'd be very curious to read them. And if you loved it, maybe leave me a five stars rating on Apple Podcasts and maybe a review as well. You can even review individual episodes on Podchaser and it's much simpler than iTunes. So feel free to head there and comment on this specific episode there. As you may have noticed, we got weekly releases of Café Rollist now on this podcast feed. If you can wait for the next Café rollist, well, actually, there are a lot of them which you can have early access to, uh, several months early access. I I, I don't do that on purpose. It's kind of a, a backlog I'm dealing with. You can have access to a bunch more episodes on our Patreon for as little as $1 per month. And on top of having access to this, you are helping me keep the lights on and produce even more content. Really, even a single dollar is a big deal for me. It's a big encouragement when I need to sit down and uh, edit stuff uh, several evenings a week. Don't forget also you can watch cafe list on YouTube and you could even contribute live with your questions via the Release Podcast Twitch channel. So subscribe on YouTube, leave a like and follow us on Twitch so you get access to all of that even sooner. Speaking of content, I don't want to jinx it, but there's even more Diorist content coming your way this October. We got the special The Roleplay Heaven Café Rollist, about which I cannot say more, but you'll find out about that. We've got a special Halloween film studies about The Others by Alejandro Amenabar, we're supposed to record this Sunday. So I'm crossing fingers that all of that will go smoothly. And on that, I need to leave you and go do some editing and and work on Paris Gondo, the life-saving magic of inventory. That reminds me, I am running soonish several online sessions of Paris Gondo, which you can join. There are still several seats available for several of them. On Saturday, November 7th, and Sunday, November 8th, I will be running them as part of Acadicon, which is online this year. So if you want to support also the RPG Academy, Meet and play with hosts of the RPG Academy, such as Michael or Tom, or just other fans of the RPG Academy, that's your opportunity to do so. I will be also running Paris Gondo on Saturday, November 14, as part of Grog Meet Ish, which is the online version of Grog Meet, which is the micro convention of the Grog Files by Dirk the Dice, which is such a lovable event. We attended it once with Crystal and since then we'd really like to attend it again, but a bit difficult with a child and so on. But no, there's the pandemic, but this year you at least because of that, you can join Grokmeet ish online. There's a bunch of stuff. There are quizzes. There are virtual pubs. There are, what did I see? There's a most rich sort of funnel game together where in which you're going to play little mice. And try to survive a dungeon, uh, like for 25 players, maybe more. I'm not sure how it worked, but it seems very exciting. And I recommend you go check out Grokmeet-ish Grog Meat Grokmeet-ish, My Tables for Paris Gondo there. You will find links to them in the description of this episode, as well as links and all listed, all the shows, all the, the stupid references we made with Lloyd, all the game we talked about. They are listed in the description of this episode. And most of the games, if you click on them, it will take you right to DriveThru where you can purchase that game and support the designers of this game. And through the DriveThru affiliate program, even support the release at no cost for yourself. But I will get a little support from DriveThru for me taking care of linking to their website and the excellent games by indie designers that you can find there. And when it's not available on DriveFood, I put a link to itch.io so everybody is happy. See you very soon then. Stay safe. And in the meantime, have good games.
0: Solta o frango e vem com a gente Nós é tipo bem Jesus Todo mundo a gente ama ainda mais Se gatinha, rola até levar pra cama A gente topa tudo Sapatão e bigode Tudo na hora do piriri Cai em mim travesti Vai Rolê 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 Solta o frango e vem com, com a gente Rolê Rolê Rolê, solto o flagro e vem com a gente Do you, uh, yahoo?